November 17th, episode 130 of The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm going to start Monday night. We'll get to last night. We'll get to last night. Believe me. I'm watching Hawks Orlando. I realize Jalen Suggs is out. I sprained his ankle. We've talked about it. You know, the, the football player mentality, he's going to be on the injured list, injured injury report, I should say, quite often. So he's out of the game. And they start off with Franz Wagner on Trey Young. I'm like, damn. Like, are they are they just crazy? Or do they think that highly of Franz? He's six foot, he's almost six ten. It just seems like a crazy thing. And it didn't work out too well for him, needless to say. But uh you know, I'm watching Mo Bamba out there, but he's averaging like 11 and 9 or something like that, 35% from the three-point line. But I'm starting to see this problem league-wide with the young bigs. I talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. the other day, right? And these young bigs, they're just getting way too three-happy. And like, I'm not like, let's take the kid in uh, New Orleans, Trey Murphy. He's a shooter. He's going to shoot him. Like, that's what he do. Sadiq Bey, is he a big, right? A big wing. That guy's a shooter. Right. But I'm talking about these bigs that are like, all right, they're they're maybe shooters just pumping away from the three point line. And I wonder if pretty soon here moving forward, we're going to see a correction in that where teams kind of reel it in with their centers. Take the threes, but define which ones they can take. Don't just take any old threes. Don't take step back threes. Don't take early in the clock threes unless it's maybe like a transition trailer. So I think that needs to be reined in here league wide with these young bigs before we just have, I, my fear is that we're going to have too many of these big men not reach their potential. And that being one of the main causes, because they're just hanging out on the three-point line. If you're not a true shooter, you've got to be selective in the ones you take. You got to only take good ones, right? That's the difference. A shooter, they can make bad ones. They can take, you know, off schedule, even off balance threes at times because they're shooters. But if you're just can make the shot, you better take squared up open looks. My other question for Orlando is, what do they call Chuma Okiki? Because I'm not calling a grown man Okiki like their announcing crew did. I can't believe their announcing crew just calls him Okiki. Like they got, you got to come, Chuma? I I, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all tell me, Magic fans. I know there's some of y'all out there. What do you call an Okiki? He's a nice, talk about a shooter. He's actually a shooter, right? But they got to come up with a nickname for him. Also Monday night, Sons and Wolves. And I'm watching D'Angelo Russell down the stretch. And it dawned on me, no one's really talking about him when it comes to the new physicality and rules. But it looks like it's affected D'Lo as well. He's given him 17 a game. But percentage-wise, 38% from the field, 34% from three. And it's not that he drew a ton of fouls, right? We knew that D'Lo was, he didn't get to the line enough. I know that was kind of like a knock on him. But he already kind of had trouble creating separation before the, the new physicality this season, right? He, he he had the ability to make shots in super tight windows because he had to. These windows are getting even tighter because the defense is allowed to be even more physical with it. And you saw down the stretch of that game against Phoenix where he couldn't get a shot off against Booker, against his boy. He, he couldn't get a shot off. Now they ran something nice here. They're down two with one possession on the clock. And there was like a handoff with Towns, Edwards, and it generated D'Lo an open look. He missed it. Ant-Man gathers the offensive rebound and tries to regather back behind the three-point line for the win rather than the tie goes off his foot. Game over. Suns win. But I like what Finch was running late. Schematically, I like the stuff that they're running offensively for Minnesota. 
I think they need another scorer off the bench. They're too reliant on those three guys to score all the points. They don't have a bench score. And so we'll see. They've got pieces that they can move. But I, I, I like what I've seen from Finch as far as his X's and O's. He's kind of lived up to the hype because that's what he was uh, touted as when they brought him in. Dallas and Denver was a scrappy game Monday night. Have y'all heard KP looking like New York KP? Right, The last couple games, he's given him like 30. He's moving so confidently. And there's just no hesitation. It seems like he's more comfortable um, understanding where he's going to get his shots. And that was the hope with Jason Kidd. You talk about Finch and his X's and O's and schematics with the Young Wolves. No one brings in Jason Kidd for X's and O's. I think the hope was he was going to pull the best out of Porzingis and these players and kind of balance having fun and staying disciplined, right? Because Carlisle, I don't, he can't strike that balance, right? It's my way or the highway with Carlisle. And really, it should be that way with all coaches. But are you likable? Do the, does the players like playing for you? And I think that was the hope with Kidd. And so far, so good, man. So far, so good. You look at Denver, and Jokic is right there doing what he did last year as the MVP. He's putting up MVP numbers, but it kind of feels like this ultimately is going to be a wasted season, a wasted MVP season for Jokic. When you look at Denver's health, I don't know what Murray's timetable is. Porter Jr.'s in and out of the lineup. They just have been riddled with injury. And it just feels like one of those lost seasons for Jokic, which is unfortunate. And then late in the game, Luka gets rolled up on by Austin Rivers, one of the game's elite floor hitters, right? Austin Rivers hits the floor like none other in games. And the results were a sprained knee and ankle. Luka's lucky he he walked off the floor. It was, it was a football roll-up from behind. Like something that happens in the pocket with like 40 seconds left on the clock in the game. So yeah, we got that's something to monitor. Then we had Bulls and Lakers. It was the return of Alex Caruso. They had a tribute video for him, you know, in, in between stoppages and and you could see the signs early with Caruso, man, because he was in their G League. You know, he was with the organization for quite a few years. And the fact that he rocked a true Costanza Baldi for like three years. I mean, <laughs> let me explain something to you. Like if you're a normal civilian, right, and you could just wear a hat every day, right, you could. That's one thing. This dude would go to work every day and then see the staple lights glistening off the top of that bald Costanza. That that level of don't give a fuck is a sign that he was a monster. <laughs> nah, man, but uh, jokes aside, you know, they, they paid a lot of, a lot of homage to a, to a role player, right? But I think it just goes to show how much they do miss him. Now, Russ did shoot the ball well on Monday night, which means he got to the rim. But I, I find it funny if you listen to the Lakers telecast, the play-by-play -play dude, they're both OGs, forgive me for, for not knowing their names, but I've been listening to him since I was a kid. The play-by-play -play dude, he takes all sorts of snipes at Russ. He really does. <laughs> if you pay attention, man, it's, it's funny as hell. But the deal was the Bulls were allowed to play small. I talked about the matchup going into it. Like, AD better feast on these Bulls. No, 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 no. No, no, no. AD allowed the Bulls to play small because he allowed them to guard him with Derrick Jones Jr. You know, the one that's built like your neighborhood crackhead, right? That Derrick Jones Jr was able to guard him. My guy on Twitter <clears throat> brought up a great point. Remember the AD Giannis talk that Rich Paul kind of started? Now it's not even a conversation, right? In fact, it's downright disrespectful to Giannis to compare the two, in my opinion, at this stage, right? Could you imagine like when Jones Jr. was in Miami, if Miami spent a half 
guarding Giannis with Jones Jr., what would happen? <laughs> to be fair, if you want to really be fair schematically, the reality of it is, is they were able to do it because Russ was on the floor. He's, he's mucking up the spacing. If you were to put a bunch of shooters around AD, I don't think they would have been able to do it because he wasn't doing it alone. They were helping off Russ. Surprise, surprise. And I think that this is going to be a, an interesting social experiment for the fans because right now the natural thing to do is blame Russell Westbrook for the struggles, right? But Russ plays so hard every game. Like even me, like clowning him and all these mistakes, you almost feel bad for him at the podium. I wonder by the end of the year, as this season goes downhill for the Lakers, there's a long way to go. Maybe LeBron comes back and they find their chemistry and whatever, but it, it doesn't look good, right? So at the end of the season, it's a disappointing one. Will the focus shift to Anthony Davis? Because again, Russ may be the problem schematically, but AD, his wine, he got ejected out of this game. He's starting to complain to the media, his effort levels. I think naturally us as humans and as fans, we're going to kind of give Russ more of a pass than AD. AD, after all, is the player in his prime who's supposed to be the best player on the team. So I'm just curious to see how the blame shifts throughout the season for the Lakers. Let me correct my Damian Lillard report from Monday's episode. Look, I had read a report Sunday from The Athletic, and then I saw another one on ESPN. The Blazers are shutting Dame down. The ab tendinopathy. And he sat one game, and then he showed back up. He played. They got to win the other night, and he's playing. And if you read between the lines, it sounds like Dame is just unwilling to shut it down, but the Blazers want him to. But at this stage in their relationship, Portland really has no power, right? They kind of have to yield to whatever Dame wants in order to keep him happy. And so it sounds like Dame's just going to tough it out. But again, whenever you hear that word tendinopathy, it's chronic, and it's spooky. And so... Continue to watch Dame, and hey, if it happened in 18 and he's been playing through it, hopefully it doesn't worsen. But I apologize for making it sound like Dame was getting shut down. That was the reports that I was reading Sunday. I should have double-checked Monday. Well, I guess I didn't know he was playing. One more game from Monday. Boston is winning without Jalen Brown. He's got to be on the trade table, right? We've talked about it plenty. They beat the Cavs the other night, and Al Horford's been really good, man. He's been rejuvenated with Boston. He's been a godsend for them. And he OG'd young Evan Mobley, held him to O of 11. Was he 1 of 11? O of 11? And then Mobley also sprained the right elbow. Tough, man. That's a tough break. They say he's going to be out about a month or so. And that was the concern, right? Like, would his thin frame hold up? And hopefully this was just kind of like a fluke injury. And that's not the case. But here we are a month into the season and he's hurt. And so Boston trying to slowly climb out of that hole they found themselves in. And again, with... Jalen Brown, is he hurt? Does he have a hamstring or something like that? Let's get to it. Warriors-Nets. Probably the biggest matchup of this young season. And the irony was we've had such flowing basketball the first month of the season because of the the new rules. They're allowing the physicality, right? And then all of a sudden last night at the Barclays Center, the refs wanted to get involved. And that first half was kind of ugly. And, and the announcers were saying of how intense it was. It was a playoff-like atmosphere. I buy a little bit into that. But it was funny because I had forgotten how easy it is to hate James Harden when you're truly rooting against him. Because as a Warrior fan, right, the last two years, it's kind of been hard to really care if we win because it, it didn't matter. Now, all of a sudden, we find ourselves back contenders and, and this shit matters. And so 
I'm like, damn, Harden, man. He's it's he's so hard to like. That's the bottom line, the way he plays, right? But what you see with Brooklyn, I thought that was super annoying is Blake Griffin, Patty Mills, James Harden, they're all A1 floppers. And defensively, what you were seeing is because they know they're not good defenders and they don't have any rim protection, whenever someone would turn the corner or get downhill on them, they just flopped. They weren't going to like, you know, chest up and, and try to show any resistance. They were just going to flop because it was like, why well, try? I'm about to get blammed on. I'm about to give up a basket. And it worked for them for the most part in the first half of that game. Second quarter, the game's kind of lingering. The Warriors offense kind of struggling. Steph's in foul trouble. We had everybody in foul trouble because of these flops. Otto Porter came in and kind of steadied the ship, man. I thought Otto Porter showed some juice on a big stage. It was a big game, even though it was regular season, right? And then Andrew Wiggins showed up. Andrew Wiggins understood the moment in the stage. He was aware. He read the room. Essentially, he is Kevin Durant's replacement. And the funny thing is, this was probably one of the bigger games Andrew Wiggins has played in in the NBA. He had one playoff series that no one was really paying attention to, right? So this was a big game. And in that second quarter, he showed the fuck up. But I think what we've seen happen is the VAC situation with Wiggins has bonded him with the team, right? He realized he was had the chance to be a part of something bigger. It wasn't just about him. And he went and he did it for the team. They've embraced him for it. And this was kind of like a crossroads, a turning point in his career. Now he's a part of something. It matters. And we're going to really find out who Andrew Wiggins is this season. Is he going to be a dog night in and night out? No, no, no. We know he's not. But is he going to show up when it matters most? That's what we're going to find out this year. And last night, when it mattered, in that game, he showed up in that second quarter and gave us the juice. We can talk about Steph, KD, the fireworks and all that, but ultimately, the star of the game really was Steve Kerr and his defense, right? This triangle in two, it was kind of a dynamic, right? But I, you just wonder if Kerr has kind of given teams the blueprint now against this Nets team. To be fair, Joe Harris wasn't, wasn't there, right? And I think Joe Harris would have changed that. And I don't think they would have been able to stay in that triangle in two as long as they did. But let's keep it real. It had to have burned KD's soul to hear that crowd chanting for Steph Curry and ooing and aahing at the Barclays Center. Wherever you go, there you are, Kevin Durant. And maybe, maybe it helped KD understand it was never the Warrior fans or local media that was trying to slight Kevin Durant's greatness when he was a warrior. It was Steph. Steph's star shines so bright that even the great Kevin Durant was in the shadows. Because it doesn't matter if it was in Oakland, Chase Center, or Brooklyn. Steph's the bigger star. You know, I saw this picture of Drake and Kanye together. It's kind of big news in the hip-hop world. They've been kind of beefing behind the scenes and all that. And I was thinking, like, you know, KD is the basketball Drake, right? He is the most prolific hit maker we have ever seen. It's easy for him. He wakes up and he makes hits. He wakes up and he scores 30, right? And then Steph, he's kind of like Kanye, right? Where he may not have as many albums or hits, but you'll remember his longer. His impact and influence is greater. I don't know, maybe I'm reaching with the hip-hop terminology here. But I mean, look, they're both two goats. I'm not trying to butt them against each other. But th that was the storyline last night. And the reality of the situation is we tapped them, motherfucker. This was a fight. They tapped. 
Harden and KD and Steve Nash in that third quarter, they tapped out. They didn't want any parts of the rest of that game. And so let me ask you, when was the last time you were this hyped for a win? Well, let me tell you, it was game six in Houston. It was game six in Houston. Now, some of you may have pointed to maybe the last win in that finals matchup with Toronto, but that game six win in Houston. I got a video on YouTube. Go, go look that one up, man. That was, that was an instant reaction one. That was, that was epic. But yeah, man, I understand Brooklyn not nearly at full strength, but neither were the Warriors. It was clearly a statement win. Steph sitting clearly atop the MVP ladder at this point. And I think the real star of the game was Steve Kerr and his game planning and the way the Warriors executed it. But you know I'll have a full breakdown of that Warriors-Nets game on my patron later this afternoon where we'll go into all the details of it. But that was just kind of my big picture take. Please consider supporting me on my patron. You won't be disappointed. So what do we have tonight? Suns in Dallas could be a possible playoff matchup in the Western Conference, right? But Luka Doncic is out now, so probably going to get ugly for them. Maybe KP can carry him. Maybe this is an opportunity for Porzingis to really get going here and kind of show that, hey, I can be the guy on some nights. I don't have to always be Robin to Luka's Batman. And then you've got Lakers Bucks where, look, both teams are chipped up. What to do, AD? You know, your, your guy, Rich Paul, everybody compares you to Giannis. Let's see what you got. This is the Hezzy. Brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, Joe.